0: Who are we? How do we see and experience the world? What are the hidden forces that drive us? Why do we act, think, and feel the way we do? And how can we become our best, most authentic selves? Welcome to Typology, a series of freewheeling conversations in which we use the Enneagram typing system to explore the mystery of the human personality. I'm Ian Cron. Hey everybody, welcome to Typology. I'm here at Weld, the community workspace that is for hipsters and cool people who live in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, again, as I've said before, I feel so out of place
1: here. I'm such a geek compared to all the, all the cool kids are you, here working. You didn't ride your longboard in today. I'm disappointed. I know.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm here with my good friend and my producer, Chad Michael Snavely, who is across from me providing editorial. Have you seen Superwoman yet? The movie? You know
1: I haven't, but I've heard some incredible things about it.
0: Did you know that Superwoman first appeared on the pages of DC Comics 75 years ago? Wow. 75 years ago, which is kind of remarkable that it took this long for... A strong, powerful woman, right? Mm-hmm. To appear as a superhero in a film, in a successful film, Man. no less at the helm of a director who also happens to be a strong, visionary right. woman, right. as well, right? I guess Hollywood execs, from what I understand, they have had this long held belief that audiences in general, mm-hmm. right? Haven't been ready to embrace a female protagonist. Whose exceptional strength and leadership earns her, like, even the admiration of her male counterparts. That's
1: crazy. Right? That's crazy.
0: So, culturally speaking, Superwoman represents, I think, this giant evolutionary step forward for women who are Enneagram eights. Yeah. So, Enneagram eights. Chad, are you ready? Hit me. Okay, I want to hear about them. Okay. Get your, get your notebook Here out. Here we go. Enneagram eights are called the challengers. And regardless of gender, these people are formidable leaders who inspire people to follow them. They aren't afraid to speak truth to power. They champion the cause of underdogs or people who can't fight for themselves. When they're mature, challengers wield their power in the right measure at the right time. But when they're not, I can tell you as the son of a mom who is an eight and as the father of a daughter, Who is an eight. Wow. They can be a lot to handle if they're not very mature. I've actually received a lot of email from women who are eights on the Enneagram asking me to devote an episode to women eights. And today is the day. Here we go. Here we go. Our guest this week on Typology, in my opinion, is a superwoman. Awesome. Yeah. Melissa Green is an artist. She's an activist. She's a pastor. And she's a mature Enneagram eight who beautifully describes, I think, her life as a challenger. Mm. So regardless of your gender, and I'm saying that to you, man, like if you're tempted right now to say, oh, this is really just a show today for women, don't do that. Stick around because there's some stuff you really need to learn about women' AIDS. And you'll learn some stuff about yourself as well. Um, so, Chad, are you, are you ready for this? I'm so ready for this. All right. No more chin wagging. Uh, that's a great word, isn't it? I love it. I love that word, chin <laughs> wagging. I just, I actually like thought to myself, today, I'm using the, <laughs> the term chin wagging. I
1: used it the other day and I realized no. it's because you've been using it so much. Oh. <laughs> you're bringing it back.
0: Man, you're copping my material. <laughs> All right, enough. Let's get to it. Hey, Melissa Green, welcome to Typology. Thank you, thank you. Oh, man, it is so good to have you on. How long have I known you?
2: Goodness, it's been maybe seven years.
0: I know. That's amazing, isn't it, how time has flown? Yep. Tell everybody, I mean, I know a ton about you, but I want others to know about your storied past. Oh,
2: goodness, It's had some chapters. I. (laughs) (laughs) What should you know? I mean, I'm happily married 15 years, just celebrated 15 years with my amazing husband. I have two children, um, an 8- and 11-year-old boy and girl.
0: And they're all wonderful. You're right. They
2: really are. They really are. I'm happy. Happy with that part of my life. Um, I... Was a Christian artist in uh, contemporary Christian music for close to 10 years, seven of those with a group called Avalon. Mm-hmm. Um, they started in 97. I joined them in 2002 and was there until 2009. That was a fun, sort of exciting um part of my journey and then after Avalon I stepped into church world and I started working at a church called Grace Point um outside of Nashville Franklin Tennessee specifically and I've worked there as the arts pastor um was ordained there as a reverend and then uh, most recently was the associate pastor so I've done that the last 8 years and then I recently resigned from that and I'm starting a Fresh expression of a spiritual community here in Nashville called Imaginarium.
0: Wow, what a cool name! Thank I you. love that Imaginarium.
2: I actually got the idea um, from reading uh, Richard Rohr's *Eager to Love* for the second time this mm-hmm. past spring, and he talks about how we all we all have this inward Imaginarium where thoughts um, begin to be created, and when those thoughts then move into action, that's how you change the world. Mm. So
0: that's now, so. I got to ask you: Did you get the URL? For Imaginarium. I have
2: Imaginarium.life. Imaginarium.com is taken. Darn it! I know. We could have gotten .org. There was a couple other options, but the idea of .life sort of made sense with our vision. So yeah, took I think it. that's
0: great. Perfect. Yeah. All right, so you're doing Imaginarium now.
2: Yeah, just just recently, but yes.
0: Just starting is- it. Wow, you've got a lot of transitions going on. I do. That's good because transitions kind of like spice up the conversation (laughs) with people, you know?
2: Yes, they do. They do.
0: That's awesome. All right, so I want to start, though, because, you know, we've started to get questions Mm -hmm. on Mm typologypodcast.com and where people are just sending in questions, and they're coming in, like, really fast, Mm -hmm. like, so— we had two this week from women who are both eights mm-hmm. challengers mm-hmm. and you are an eight yes. challenger yes. which is in in you know my opinion and in, in in the opinion of many in the enneagram world is perhaps the most misunderstood number on the enneagram mm-hmm. women who are eights strong powerful presences
3: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we'll we'll unpack more of the features yeah. of, of that type in a minute. But to these questions, um, so one was from a, a, a woman named Laura, mm-hmm. and she writes this. I am so excited about this podcast. I have been through the ringer trying to figure out my number, and I've been in denial about it, but I'm an eight. <laughs> Being a female and growing up and still living in the South— mm has hugely affected the way my personality comes across compared to eights from other places. I have felt shame about my intensity and passion for things I care about for my whole life. Mm -hmm. Just having the feeling of being too much, I'm going to put air quotes around too much, Mm -hmm. for people, but not understanding why I sometimes come on more strongly than I actually feel. I think this is true for all eights, but particularly in the South. Now, remember, folks, we, we live in, and record in Nashville. So this is right up our alley, right? Where being direct is not very appreciated. I would love a podcast on geography hmm. in relationship to our numbers, but selfishly would love it on female eights specifically. Okay. Now, Melissa <sighs> Green, eight, living in Nashville, Tennessee. These are they. And you're from the South.
2: I am. Well, I grew up in Florida, but yes, I've lived here in Nashville 15 years.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So what are you going to say to Laura? Oh, goodness,
2: Laura. I feel you. (laughs) I get you. I feel you. Um, I mean, immediately when I think about that, so not knowing the Enneagram for very long, just knowing that I'm this bold, passionate, outspoken person. um, And when I came to Nashville, I mean, the stereotype for Southern women is quiet, tidy, homemaker, Mm. um, you know submissive, I mean, I can think of all these words, and part of that is the South, part of that is uh, the Bible Belt, too. Mm. I mean, those are overlaid together.
0: So maybe like a, there could be numerous combinations, like a two with a one wing, Mm. you know, a, a helper, Mm-hmm. Who's this? You know, uh, in the st- in a stereotype, I mm-hmm. suppose, would be you know n- uh, nurturing and caring and all about serving and helping others, but with that one wing, mm-hmm. you know, would be very focused too on being organized, game right. on, you know, right, et cetera.
2: And so, when you don't fit in that stereotype, most often people don't know what to do with that, mm-hmm. and. Either especially with women and women female relationships I've found some women either celebrate that because you're able to do and be something that they've always wanted to have permission to be to even if they're not an eight necessarily but they see this willingness this boldness or the other women don't know what to do with you because you don't fit their life and um, they end up. Uh, being frustrated by you and the men are frustrated by you, especially when you're stepping up to the big boys table, so to speak, where there's that stereotype that women shouldn't have a place there. Um, And yet many of us feel that we do. And Mm -hmm. so when we step into that role, um, you're not seen as a uh, just a presence of a leader. You're seen as a nuance and... Mm frustrating. So I feel like I've lived all these things. I've lived it, the southern aspect of it and not being the typical, you know, stereotypical housewife. And I've lived it in being a leader and very passionate about justice and outspoken. And doing that as a woman comes with its own challenges.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting about the geography of this, Mm -hmm. because um, for many years, I lived 30 miles from Manhattan, right, in a place where there were just so many women Mm -hmm. who were you know, at the top of the corporate ladder, for example, in the investment services world, you know, so they were working at Goldman Sachs or, you know, these Mm -hmm. big, intense shark tanks, you know what I mean? Like we're, you know, it was rough and tumble. I once had a woman say to me, she said to me, she says, well, you know, if you want to play in the NFL, you got to wear pads, (laughs) you know, and you (laughs) got to expect to get hit. And she just was like, this was It was okay geographically to be an eight Mm. as a woman. You know, it's far Mm -hmm. more acceptable. Yeah. But in the South, what you're saying is, you know, it's just not as mainstream, Mm -mm. right?
2: Mm -mm. And so just with all the challenges of being a leader in general, now you have the challenges of facing the stereotype Mm -hmm. and having to overcome that with people Mm. as well.
0: So you got to really swim upstream here. You
2: really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful for people that have— come before us and shown us that we can do this. But it's always nice to hear a different voice. And so, Laura, I hope you hear me saying there's more of us out there. And I hear you and I feel you. And you are you for a reason, though. And so Mm. to not have to deny who you are, but to be able to step into that with confidence and humility is a beautiful thing.
0: Mm. And we're going to come back to that, too, that blend, right, of of confidence and humility, which is not a sign of weakness mm, which would be a, yep. which would really be a struggle for eights because mm-hmm. they confuse vulnerability uh. and, and weakness mm-hmm. right if they're not very self-aware or evolved in in their in their work so this other woman mm-hmm. who's also an eight i mean mm-hmm. this has been my woman eight week right she she wrote my husband and i are about as uh, opposite as we can be i am an eight and he's a nine okay so she's setting a little context She says, also, as you've mentioned yourself, eight women have had it pretty tough in our culture, specifically evangelical culture. (laughs) I was told in my Christian high school that it was too bad I wasn't a boy (laughs) because I would win our regional preaching competition. I mean, this is like right in your zone, right? Uh, This has deeply wounded me. I ended up a theology undergrad and a seminary student later in life, but have been a stay-at-home mom the last eight years. Hmm. I am returning to the workforce soon, and my ability to find my place is completely lost. I have so many passions and no idea where I fit. I no longer want to serve in church ministry, but I'm so deeply wired to speak the truth help she says exclamation mark oh she's clicking her fingers watch <laughs> out and i mean she you just you just breathe like you were just like coming out of your corner you just you just I like just, you just hit your gloves together and came so out of the many corner thoughts. That was awesome. Okay, bring it. Bring it.
2: Just so many thoughts. I mean, I've I've grown up in evangelicalism. I've worked in a post-evangelical world. Uh, I mean, I worked in evangelical world with uh, the contemporary Christian music that I did. And then for the last eight years, I've worked sort of in this middle ground bridge place and a little bit of post-evangelicalism. So, I mean, I get it. I feel you. And for me, even the idea When I was first hired at this church um, and the idea that I would take on the role of pastor, first of all, it was something that I had never dreamed of because that role wasn't available to women for most of us um, in the churches and denominations that we grew up in. So even in taking on that role, it was amazing to sort of step into this role and not have to think that I need to fit into some box because there was no box for me to begin with, uh, for one. But for two, I remember specifically a man saying to me when I got that title, oh, it must have been that some some man somewhere did not step up. And so you have to fill in for him. So. Whoa. <laughs>
0: Just. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was received... Oh, uh,
2: eight years ago. I don't... Yeah, I was angry about it. There was some righteous anger with that. But, I mean, it is. It's the idea that women can't or we've been told shouldn't be these things. And yet many of us feel um, this call and this stepping into who we actually are. These are the roles that we want to fulfill. And I think there is a community and many people in our world that are longing for women to step into these roles. And so part of me wants to say to her, you know, find this deepest sense of who you are and what you feel led to do. And then somewhere, somewhere needs you to do that. And so step into that. But I get if she feels frustrated that there aren't spaces where she feels like she uh, has or can. I mean, I've been there. So I was thankful to be a part of a church for eight years that had roles for women. But I continually see this structure sort of reinforcing itself that, it's embedded like patriarchy. We can go down this road maybe for a minute. <laughs> patriarchy. I can see you.
0: <laughs> you're organizing your notes on the pulpit. I think I'm getting ready for a, I'm getting ready for a storm. Uh, you know, a barn burner no, here. I'm, I'm
2: taking deep breaths. No, but I just think patriarchy is embedded in our systems, whether individuals realize it or not. There's good people, male and female, and everything in between across the spectrum that don't realize how embedded this is in our subculture of Christianity in the institution of our churches, and so we need voices and willing people to step into those spaces and to be able to stand up for who they are and what they believe in and then I think we also need people that will step out of those spaces and call the church to a better way
0: mm. whoa look at you like, <laughs> you got your fist up in the air and you're all happy right now you're in your happy place, aren't you? <laughs> Being outspoken and strong oh, and stating your can't help it. yeah I know no. <laughs> But you're a, you're an integrated eight. I mean, you mm-hmm. you've really done a lot of work, you know. And so you're a testimony to to people that, you know, when you're in any number, w- when they're in that kind of trance mm-hmm. of the number, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're just not attuned to the fact that they see the world through a particular lens, mm-hmm. right? And when you never take or, or even are aware of the fact that there is a lens, right? Mm-hmm. I guess we could call it a worldview, mm-hmm. a way of seeing the world, it, it, that you need to take off your glasses and actually look at the lens mm-hmm. through which you're looking at the world. Yep. And, you know, uh, until you do that and and say, oh, well, maybe my lens has been distorted. Mm-hmm. It, it's been ground in such a way that I haven't seen reality the way it actually is, and nor have I seen myself mm-hmm. as I actually am and i just need to take a whole step back and 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 rethink yep what the enneagram does oh my
2: goodness when i first was exposed to it i guess it's been 3 years ago um that i was exposed to it and realized that an 8 was something that could describe who i am It was such clarity for me. Um, It was clarity on why I'm at times this bull in a china shop. It was clarity and that that's not necessarily okay, though, (laughs) but at least it understands like the intentionality behind it. It was clarity for me why I'm not able to be attracted in friendships with people that don't give off high energy and why I don't why I don't feed off of that or why I need that. And so when I can see that from a broader, uh, higher view, then then I can step back into those relationships and they, first of all, understand, okay, I'm not giving off enough energy. And I can say, I don't need them to give off energy to be a friend with them. Like that's something mm. I can work on. Um, so it's been really beautiful. It's been beautiful in my life as I'm pastoring and walking out life with people and understanding all the different viewpoints. It's been amazing for my husband and I to better understand each other. I'm so grateful for this tool.
0: Okay, so this is really great because this this comes down to some issues around leadership, mm-hmm. and leadership is something that I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about. Like, I've led a church, I mm-hmm. you know, I've led a number of things in, in, in startups and everything else. And I think a lot of people who listen to typology are leaders, mm-hmm. you know? So one time I'm at a church—in fact, it may have been Josh Graves, our friend mm-hmm. here at, at yeah. Otter Creek in Brentwood— and. Um, there was a light goes on moment. um oh, I'm sorry it was Aaron Nequist. Josh oh. was there, Aaron from Willow Creek, yep. right? was at this uh, workshop we did on the Enneagram. And when we discussed the idea that as a pastor, you realize, oh my gosh, there's not everybody in the room is me. Mm-hmm. so when i when I lead prayer or when I give sermons, I have to be thinking about nine different types yep. of hearing and seeing the world, and you can't get everybody right but but you're just, far more aware that my leadership style mm-hmm. has to accommodate mm-hmm. different types of people, different ways of communicating. Like I often say about eights, like every number has a communication style, right? Mm-hmm. So we always say that the the, the eights communication style is commanding. Yeah. Some people say barking, you know, which I think is <laughs> – I'm sure I've done both. <laughs> which I think is fantastic, you know, because I, I have an eight daughter and an eight mom. I've seen some barking in my yeah. life, you know. And, and so um, – How has that figured into your being a leader? Just this growing awareness of that there are different types.
2: Awareness is the key. I mean, just to know that we need awareness, not only self-awareness, but awareness of the people around us, especially in leadership positions. So it not only affected the way that I would teach when I – so I'm a communicator whether I'm singing or speaking – um, so especially in my teaching and putting together sermons and messages, it give me a much broader, um, challenge on how to communicate said idea to this group of people that's in front of me. And again, knowing, which I don't know that many eights have problems with being all things to all people. Like I would never fall into that trap necessarily, but to have that awareness to try to meet people where they're at and not assume that they are where I'm at Two for me, when I curate, Um, services specifically for the church that I was a part of and for um, the new thing that I'm building, it helps me know that different people receive different things in different ways. So affirmations, there may be some different sensory that's going to meet a four or a seven that an eight needs a totally different way to approach said topic. So to build some of that into trying to create this more holistic environment. So in that sense, it's been a call and a challenge.
0: Mm boom. That's all I want to say for leaders. That's a boom. And it doesn't matter whether you're a leader in a religious setting mm-hmm. or in business no. or with your children and your husband. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just like, man, if you can develop that knowledge base about how the lens through which others yep. see the world, we, we grow in compassion, yep. empathy, but also in effectiveness. Yes. Yes. Right, yep. and and you know we all want to be effective yep. in our different roles in life, not mm-hmm. you know just in one setting, but in all of them. So, boom, That's Melissa good. Green, thank <laughs> you for articulating that that so beautifully. Now, earlier we, we were talking about your journey toward identifying your type, mm-hmm. and that that what was interesting has, was you were able to see that right away. Oh my gosh, I'm an eight, right? right. Like the penny dropped pretty quick but other people had some resistance
2: yes they more times than not when people that are familiar with the enneagram find out that i identify as an 8 most of them are like wait i don't experience you as that i experience you as much more nurturing than what i am familiar with an 8 is or should be or could be um and i found that interesting and then understanding that a 2 is in my i go to a 2 in heart um in in what would be the word not the opposite of stress security security mm-hmm. so knowing okay well that i do take on some of that nurturing qualities yes but you were saying earlier which i would love more information on this idea of all these the subtypes within each numbers and because I know 100% an eight is who I am. I'm confident about that. But for others to experience me as a much more nurturing side of an eight, um, to know that even within eights, it's not one size fits all. Which I'm sure within every number, it's that.
0: Okay, so this is great. Um, but I'm gonna tell our listeners something that it might freak them out a little bit. So there are not really just n- nine numbers on the enneagram. There are 27.
2: Dun, dun, dun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there are nine core or basic, Mm -hmm. right, numbers on the Enneagram. But under each, right, there are these things called subtypes. Mm -hmm. And and we'll do a show on um, maybe subtypes sometime where Mm -hmm. we, we really unpack it. And by the way... The person who has best, in my opinion, articulated the language about subtypes is Beatrice Chestnut in her book, The Enneagram. So listen, everybody, if you – you know, our book, The Road Back to You, is a primer, right? It's, It's not an exhaustive study of the Enneagram. That's not what we set out to do. Um, but I always tell people, next book, if you want to do a deeper dive, go to Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Enneagram. And she is coming on the podcast. Ah. We, we've been in touch. We, we started to form a, a little bit of a a friendship on in email and, and uh, online. And so um, she's going to come on. Maybe we'll just dedicate that show to subtypes. Now, let me just kind of explain a little bit in brief what, what subtypes are. And I'm going to borrow some of Beatrice's language for this. Um, so... There are really uh, three instincts that, that every human being has, right? So, so one is self-preservation, mm-hmm. right? We all have a natural instinct to want to survive, right? Preserve our own lives, mm-hmm. right? So we all have a self-preservation instinct. Uh, we all have a social instinct, right mm-hmm. And what that means is who are we in relationship to the herd? you know what mm-hmm. I mean like who are we in community with other people mm-hmm. like like a real you know focus on on, on a social connection. And the last one sometimes it's called a sexual instinct mm-hmm. or um, where or a one-on-one mm-hmm. um, instinct, which is really more about uh, our relationship to a specific other, right someone, In with whom we have uh, an individual with whom we have a relationship, like that's a core need Mm -hmm. or instinct that all of us have for a partner Mm -hmm. in this life, right? Now, a social nine or I mean, a social eight, a self preservation eight, or a sexual eight are three different animals, right? right? Like, so, and by the way, in certain numbers, like for fours, for example. The difference between those three subtypes is gigantic. Mm. So much so that when you see them you're like, "Oh boy, like that's almost like they're very different." Mm. You know? So if someone is struggling to figure out their number, you know, and it's really hard to get to dial it in, mm-hmm. I go, "Okay, let's go look at subtypes." Right? Right? Because subtypes may may really help you. So helpful. My my thought about you as an 8, right, mm-hmm. is is that you are a social Eight. Okay. And let, let me just tell you the difference between the three eights, because this <laughs> will help people, I think, to kind of get a sense of how the the subtypes yeah. work a little bit. So, um, a social eight is called it's it's actually called the counter type of the eight. Okay. okay. So each one has a counter type, right? Uh, and it's not always the social one. Like I'm a self preservation four, which is the counter type within the three mm-hmm. instincts. And by the way, everybody has all three instincts. It's just that we lean into one more okay. than the other two, right? Okay. It's more. Emphasized or more focused. So for you, you're, like you're the counter type of the three eights, and you represent kind of a contradiction, <laughs> right? The eight archetype rebels like against social norms, but the social eight is also focused in on protection and loyalty. Mm. So they express lust, which is the passion of the. Eight, like in the form of aggression, mm-hmm. right? In the service of others, right? Protecting and and loving other people. Um, so, man, I mean, they these are are fantastic human beings. Um, you're nurturing. You're much more protective and concerned with the injustices mm-hmm. that that happen to people. But y- you also display this kind of antisocial, and I don't mean that in like. You know, this is the oppositional energy mm-hmm. that eights have. So you have that toward, you know, the rules of society, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so— Institutions. Yeah. So this kind of eight, a social eight, like will come off as more mellow and and outgoing and less quick to anger hmm. than other eights. I know you're looking—thinking to yourself, oh, that's not uh, true. Maybe. No, no, yes. Um and i just think you you definitely these are features that 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 you have right. in in your life like but for example a self preservation a self-preservation aid really have a strong need for survival hmm. right and this person is more materialistic hmm. and intolerant of frustration and they have a hard time being patient when it comes to not getting immediate satisfaction of their needs. So there's that lust drive right. coming into play. Um, and I'm so they're really go taking get, notes. Oh uh, you are really? Well no jump right in. I mean don't you know interrupt it. me at any point along, right? Now a sexual eight, mm-hmm. right, um They really have a strong antisocial tendency. This oppositional energy is really on fire for Mm -hmm. them. Um, They're provocative, and they express lust really through open rebellion, right? And they do it in word. They do it in deed. Um, They want everyone to know that their values differ from the norm. And they're the most rebellious of the eight types, right? The sexual eight is also the most emotional, Hmm. interestingly enough. They're outspoken. They like to be seen as bad. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and Or at least they don't tend to mind it. Uh, and they, they don't tend to feel a lot of guilt over the rebellious things they hmm. do. You know what I mean? So yeah. do you see the nuanced differences <laughs> yep. here? So it's so helpful. It's like when you go to the optometrist, right, or the eye doctor, and you know when they put those the uh, gizmo in front of your eyes? Mm-hmm. And it's blurry. Mm-hmm. So let's say you don't know your number. It's all blurry to mm-hmm. you. It's almost like when you go to the subtypes, it's like when he drops the lens and he right. says, is that clear? Mm-hmm. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And, and so it's so helpful. You are uh, a social aid mm-hmm. and And remember, in security, you move toward two. And so you're in a time of stress right now. And you move where? In five. stress. Yeah, you move to five.
2: So I'm interested in that move and trying to wrap my head around it because I feel like in moments, that has been a place of protection for me. Um, in other times, it has been—I've been described as a, you know, not talking and pouting. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm interested, can it, can it help and be defensive for you? Is, can it be both, or should it be one or the other— I've just, I'm, yeah.
0: Okay, so this is awesome because we are like, you are getting me into like grad school Enneagram today. <laughs> this is the stuff that we couldn't cover in a primer. Right. right, and this is
2: what so many of us need now. Yeah,
0: right. So it's like, yeah, you've already read the primer. It's time to, you know, move on to n- n- the next grade, right? So this is fantastic. All right, so yes. Yes, 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 yes to your remark about protection, mm-hmm. right? So w- when you move to five— it, it kind of represents a response um, to extreme stress mm-hmm. or to stress in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a mode of retreat, hmm. right? So you move toward the observer, mm-hmm. right, that is the most kind of emotionally detached and, and also the most observant of all the time. So you kind of pull back. All that outgoing aggressive energy kind of pulls in and retreats. Um, and it's a kind of like a bunker mentality, right, when, when you're in stress and when you feel f- threatened, you know, by life um, or when you've been dealt a severe setback. Mm-hmm. This is really common stuff for, for a five. I've seen it in my daughter and my mom. Um, so y- you, you go to a remote place and internally often, and, you know, uh, in, just in life. You'll, you'll back away from other people to regroup. Mm-hmm. rather than use power. Mm. So
2: we shouldn't fight it.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, okay. right? So this experience for the five, when it's consciously managed, mm-hmm. okay, so like if you have self-awareness and you see, mm-hmm. okay, I have migrated, I am starting to look like a five, mm-hmm. right? I have migrated, I've gotten to bunker mentality. Um, I'm, I'm trying to regroup here, you know. Um, when it's managed thoughtfully... You can develop. You can go to the high side of five. You don't have to stay on the Mm. low side. You have choice, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go to the high side of five where you develop a capacity for, like, really careful analysis, Mm. Uh, and it's conducted from a place of distance instead of, you know, where you normally rely on force, Mm -hmm. like force of personality and aggression and boldness. You can step back and be a little bit more analytical, like a five, Mm -hmm. and not... You know, charging. It's more reserved and analytical, dispassionate,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Which is really a good thing for mm-hmm. an eight to get a little unplugged,
2: right? You know? It's a balance.
0: It's a balance. So, do you see where you can you can go to a place in stress, but choose mm-hmm. to go to the high side great. of of that number? You're not locked in, like okay, I'm stuck here in the right. puddle of five. You know, it's like no, I can go to the high side. And really take advantage of, of things. But that requires thoughtfulness, I'm just, mindfulness.
2: <laughs> I'm replaying current events that okay. have happened lately. And yeah. watch. I've watched myself do both, right? I've watched myself retreat and it be in a defensive place. And I've watched myself in moments be able to to do what you're saying, like take the high side and ask the good questions and gain perspective and take a breath. Um yeah. Yeah. The taking,
0: taking the high road of, you know, taking the high road, yeah. not the low road of, of yeah. five. And, and five has resources for you mm-hmm. in times of stress, not just, okay, this is what I look like when I'm in a mess. Right. It's like, no, maybe, but when I see that, I can make different choices. This is the benefit of mindfulness okay. in, in your, in, with the Enneagram. Now, when you're in security, right, mm-hmm. you move toward two, right? And I've seen that. A million, a million times with you. And that's part of the growth path, mm-hmm. right? For AIDS mm-hmm. is to reclaim your ability to open up your empathy
3: mm-hmm.
0: for, for other people and 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 the need to be appreciated, hmm. you know, and to enjoy appreciation from other people. And uh to reconnect with that childlike innocence hmm. that you know, m- many AIDS have just become uncoupled with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, many AIDS will say that often in childhood, it's not just disposition, but they've had an experience of some kind that gave them the impression or the lens that we live in a might makes right world. Mm-hmm. And they're just determined, I am not going to be a follower. Right. Right. And so you get back in touch with that free to be innocent and kind and connected to you know, the more vulnerable feelings. Yeah, more vulnerable (laughs) feelings because you it's almost like I trust that someone else can be in control, like a parent was, you know. So I am free to get in the sandbox and just be Mm -hmm. playful and kind and, you know, just be reconnected to to those feelings. Now at the same time, if you're not careful Mm -hmm. and you're not mindful, Mm -hmm. you can fall into the low side of two. Mm. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. So it's not just uh, on the stress side, right. on the security side. You can just also like go south. You can fall into the basement of two, right. and become you know a lot more codependent, right. needy, clingy, where you'll adapt to please others uh Oh, you're nodding your head. Right.
2: No, I mean, help, let it be the means to an end versus the end.
0: Right. So you can default to perhaps flattery, yeah. or which is a sort of a hallmark feature of a not very self-aware too, mm-hmm. trying to win favor mm-hmm. uh, and the appreciation of others through flattery, and just you know, if you're conscious and you're you're doing your work, you'll notice again. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to the right side of two. Mm-hmm. I need to get back up. Under the High Road.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So does that help you understand? Yep.
2: 100%.
0: Cool, It right? makes way
2: more sense.
0: All right, everybody. So I just, you know, right then and there, I, I was kind of like taking some notes off of Beatrice Chestnut. I want you to know that so that she gets full attribution and, and also to let you know, get that book, because mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff she dives into, and I just admire her work a lot. It's
2: great. I'll be purchasing
0: it. Wow, we covered subtypes. We covered stress and security. This is fantastic. Right.
2: I need to come back when I'm in a really peaceful moment in my life and see what kind of conversation we would have then.
0: All right. So you were nodding when I was talking about the whole pleasing others thing when you go to the low side of, mm-hmm. of two. What were you thinking about? I'm
2: just thinking of watching myself... In recent months, as I've been in very stressful situations or in pushing into new things and stepping into security, you still have choices all the time. I don't think you can coast with any of this. And right. that's just a good lesson in life in general, um, to remember to remain self-aware and paying attention to not just your actions, but your motivations behind the actions. Mm. So.
0: so it's so funny. Um, one of the mantras that I picked up from a friend named Kurt Thompson, actually. He's a psychiatrist and written some great books on shame. He, he said something once that kind of like knocked me over. It was so brilliant. He said, pay attention to what you pay attention to. Hmm. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> pay attention to what you pay attention to. And what AIDS pay attention to is power. Hmm. They want to know where the power is, mm-hmm. right? They they, you know, which is different than like like what does a one pay attention to? The moment I walk in a room is what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So their attention immediately migrates toward what's wrong, mm-hmm. what needs fixing, mm-hmm. what and yours immediately when you are just going through life on autopilot is just migrating to where's the power, mm-hmm. where's the action, mm-hmm. where's the passion, mm-hmm. you know? And so knowing that and being able to observe yourself. Yes. Oh, boy, that's good. Helpful, helpful. Oh, so <laughs> helpful. Okay, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. These are good. Um, because you're an awesome singer and a seasoned and, you know, highly respected performer, tell me what your favorite record is right now.
2: Oh, goodness.
0: Or in the last year. I, I know, one of them. I'm not, not the, I hate that when people ask questions. Like
2: I know, that. that's a big, I am so eclectic. I mean, I've been – I went on a um, trip to New York recently, and so my mind has been really appreciating the Hamilton soundtrack Mm. and Dear Evan Hansen, this song based off – I mean, in the musical called You Will Be Found. It's just this glorious sort of celebration of vulnerability and humanity. Um, So I've been listening to a lot of that. But then I also (laughs) – I love everything. <laughs> I love Jay Z. I love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we're getting, I mean, we're, we're going toward eight here. I'm this just is saying, good. I
2: like, I like any, maybe this lines up with who I am any performer or singer or artist that is passionate and wholly giving themselves right. to the art. Yes. I will love.
0: Okay, Mary J. Blige.
2: Yes. Mary J. Blige, no more drama. Listen, when she sang "No More Drama" at the Grammys, I'm trying to think of what year it was—two thousand three, two thousand four-ish. It was like she was the most passionate preacher you've ever been around in yep. your life. She just gave herself to the song and like embodied this lyric. I'm attracted to something like that. Oh so. man,
0: when she when I saw when I first saw the 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 video for one. The song one that mm. she sings with Bono. First of all, mm-hmm. my initial feeling halfway through the song was, I'm sorry, Bono. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you are not an eight. You are done for, dude. <laughs> like, this woman is a force of nature. You just need to let her have the rest of the song. And they were smart, right? Because he yeah. sings a little bit different. Yep. In, and after yep. that, he's like, I'll just sing harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because her presence in that video mm-hmm. is so enormous. And, mm-hmm. and that's eight stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All that energy and that anger. Yep. Ch- and it's just channeled. Mm-hmm. And I... You know, I love that. And she, Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if she's an eight. I don't like to necessarily type from a distance. I don't think Beyonce, for example, is. I think she's more of a three. I would agree with that. But Mary? Yep. That's eight. Aretha, Eight. eight. Oh, yes. Did you see her at the Kennedy Center? Yes. Oh, good golly. If you folks have not seen the YouTube video of her singing. Uh, Feel like a natural. I mean, uh, Carol King's. uh, Sometimes I feel like a natural. It was for
2: Carol King. Yes. Right. yeah. That. I mean,
0: if you want to see an eight in action, holy golly! Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yep. And I've watched it. And shown it to people mm. 50 times. Yeah. When she comes out and she just the way she sits at the S- piano, it's like, hi, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, you might want to put your seatbelts on because even though I'm 70, I'm about I'm to- about to bring it.
2: That's
0: <laughs> 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 so good. Oh my. No, it's so gosh. good. So
2: I love that. And then I equally love a quiet, um, pensive confidence. So there's this new new were artist called Bird Talker. They're based mm. out of Nashville. And they've got this beautiful song called Heavy that's just – I can just sit and listen to it over and over again. And it feels like they're pouring their heart out on the page. So Mm. my musical tastes are very eclectic.
0: Well, Melissa Green, I have loved having you on our podcast. Thank
2: you for having
0: me. Oh, man. I'm honored. Well, I'm always thrilled just to get in a room with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, normally, you know, we get together periodically and get a chance to talk and do all that stuff. But, you know – I just want to say that I think that you are such a wonderful example of the best dimension of like I don't know to say representative, right? Of what it looks like to be a healthy woman aide. Mm-hmm. Someone that is his, you know, culturally misunderstood, mm-hmm. but you just carry it with so much grace. And the development of self-growing self-awareness in your life in my life and in every type of, right, is just the fruit of it is so evident. you know? And, and it just it delights me and reminds me again and again, how every single number is beautiful, mm. you know? And the more healthy they are, the more I love what Merton calls, the more the secret beauty." Hmm. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. He calls it the secret beauty." Yeah you know, comes through. So man, thanks for thanks for being here and being a part of my life.
2: Thank you. I always learn when I'm with you. I love
0: it. See you later. Bye. So this week I've been including my friend Chad Michael Snavely, my producer, in on the the conversation. Chad,
1: did you not love Melissa Green? How good was that? I mean, you know, there's a moment you have these conversations in the studio and you walk out of the studio and you say, "You know, that was a really great conversation." And you listen back and you're like, "Oh, this was really good." I wanted to just keep going back and going back and going back because she was so so good.
0: Yeah, I'm psyched that you and everyone that listens to Typology had a chance to to hear from her. In part because my mom and my daughter are both 8s. Uh, on the Enneagram. And I have a really special affection for these forces of nature. Mm -hmm. They really inspire me. So regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, how can you grow toward health in your personality type? Okay. Um, Here's a couple of tips. Too often, like your intensity and your lust for life runs the show. So you need to give a friend permission to tell you when you're being, um, you know, over the top, when you're going overboard or exhibiting extreme behaviors. I always tell eights, remember, moderation is a virtue, not a restraining order.
1: It's <laughs> good.
0: So the the second one is, is um eights tend to be black and white thinkers. They're dualistic thinkers, yeah. like, like a few other numbers on the Enneagram. There's no gray. No. In yeah. the eight. <laughs> You're always having to tell eights gray is on the color <laughs> spectrum, right? Things can be both yeah. and. And here's why eights tend to be black and white thinkers. It's because indecisiveness represents weakness to them, hmm. right? If you don't know for sure where you stand on something, that's weakness. Right. So they say, they sort of plant their stake in the ground. They go, this is right and that's wrong, or this is wrong and that's right. So what they need to understand is sometimes life is both and, not either or. Yeah. So here's the last one yeah. that I would tell you is I would ask AIDS to broaden their definition of strength and courage to include vulnerability. Again, vulnerability is not weakness. Vulnerability requires a great deal of courage. In fact, it requires more courage. Listen to me, Eights. More courage than presenting a highly defended, rough exterior to hide your more tender, vulnerable side. That more innocent dimension of your personality that you kind of have forgotten along the way. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way that eights self forget. So, Chad, tell me something. Yeah, Where would you go? If you wanted to learn more uh, about the Enneagram because you want to know what the heck we're talking about every single week, where would you go if uh, you wanted to, you know, leave suggestions Mm. about future shows we might do on different topics? You know, all that stuff. What would you do right
1: now if you were a listener of Typology.com? I I would most likely 99.9% of the time I would go to TypologyPodcast.com, TypologyPodcast.com. I would go to the Connect page because there people can submit a question. They can mm-hmm. they can send a comment in. All things that we are actually gathering now that we're going to use in future episodes of Typology. We have a lot of ideas for ways that we can incorporate some of this stuff from our listeners. But man, typologypodcast.com, people can download a chapter, a free chapter from your book. They can go back to one of our previous guests, uh, Rabbi Evan Moffick, and they, they can download a PDF of his worksheet. Um, there's just all kinds of great resources there. Of course you can you can subscribe to the podcast through Typologypodcast.com, you know, Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. There's there's just all kinds of ways that people can can kind of connect and get involved in what we're trying to do with this podcast
0: so that was pretty good thank you you could do that every single week i don't have to do that i'm starting to, i'm starting to sound redundant
1: right so that's fantastic hey as long as you um bring your guitar in more often like you did on uh one of our previous episodes then i think uh we might be onto something no that that was a one-off okay because i heard it <laughs> several a, a good
0: number of thousands that's of people heard it. a lot, of, a lot it. of
1: comments came in on that episode oh golly I know man (laughs) we got a lot of fun things planned for typology though don't we we do yeah
0: Yeah. I don't know what they
1: are yet but we're gonna give it a shot (laughs) hey listen
0: everybody (laughs) we'll be back next week in the meantime I want you to remember the words of Oscar Wilde be yourself everyone else is already taken we'll see ya